0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get
1: successful.
0: Hi, I'm Irene Watson, I'm with Reader Views in Austin, Texas.
1: And I'm Victor Volkman with Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to episode number 112 in our series. Tonight's topic will be creating book video trailers with Kim McDougall. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them to info at AuthorsAccess.com Now tonight we're on the line with Kim McDougal, who's a fantasy author, fiber artist, and photographer. She writes children's and young adult fiction under her married name, Kim Chattel. Some of her books include Angel Venom, The Twisted Tale Series, and Luminari. She has a bachelor's degree in English Literature from Concordia University in Montreal, where she was born, and she has also lived in Nice, Toronto, Long Island, and now beautiful Pennsylvania. She is also the founder of Blazing Trailers, www.blazingtrailers.com, a site designed to showcase video book previews. After creating more than 100 trailers, she has picked up quite a few tricks for promoting books with this latest multimedia tool. Well, good evening, Kim.
0: Hi, Victor. How are you? Well, I'm so glad to have you online because this is the first time we've actually have gone into this depth about creating videos for books. And with your experience, we're really glad to have you on. Right now, Kim, the, uh, I just read something not very long ago that YouTube is the second to Google for search engine. And so, of course, that makes sense that we, as authors, need to have a book video. But what are some other reasons that we should have book videos?
2: The biggest reason that I tell authors is that we are living in a multimedia world. More and more people live on their their phones, particularly the newer generations, even though people say they don't read as much, they are definitely more multimedia and they get a lot of their information from YouTube, from Facebook, and MySpace, and other social networks. And that's where they're going to be looking for stuff. And that's why authors need a presence there as much as they need a website. The other thing is that a a book trailer or book video is really quite an inexpensive marketing tool compared to a lot of the other marketing tools, and it reaches a much wider audience than, say, a a full-page ad in, in a genre magazine. So, in that respect, um, it's a lot more bang for your buck, and it reaches a huge audience and it goes hand in hand with with ebooks in particular, because I always say that your trailer is your ebook's best friend because people who are searching for ebooks are going to be buying them online, and your trailer could be right next to a buy link to to your ebook so for those three reasons, I think book trailers are are really a must for for authors these days and so
0: what really would make uh, you know a good trailer for a book? Well, We've seen many yeah. of them, and uh, I know that you know some of them personally. I can't even finish watching, and yet the others is <laughs> like, "Whoa, I need this book." Yes,
2: yes we have on on our site blazing trailers. We have over a thousand trailers now, and I watch pretty much all of them. And there are some pretty lousy ones there. And even though I said all those things about having a presence and being an important marketing tool, I still firmly believe that you're better to have no trailer than a bad trailer. (laughs) And the reason for this is that sometimes, often, your trailer is the first thing that someone will see in relation to your book. And if it's bad, you've turned them off. Not only have you turned them off, they're probably going to tell other people about how bad it was. And uh, although some people believe negative attention is good, any attention is good, I personally, I've been in sales all my life, and I know that negative attention is not going to help something like in um, a creative, uh, creative product, like a, an artistic product, like a book or music. Negative word of mouth is not going to help. So I strongly believe that you need a good book trailer. That doesn't mean you have to spend thousands of dollars. It means it has to be an effective marketing tool. And um, some of the things that make it an effective marketing tool are, first of all, you need to hook the viewer. The same way you need to hook the reader into the book, you need to hook the viewer immediately. You have about 20 seconds to do that um, on YouTube, unfortunately. That's just the way things are with so much out there for for viewers. If you don't hook them right away, they're not going to stick around. Second of all, you have to make it memorable. It has to tell enough about your, your book to entice readers to want to pick up the book without giving away the whole story, obviously. And it has to do it in a way that's engaging. So a lot of trailers that we see are basic slideshows. And uh, those are the ones that can drag on for too too long. Often you'll see four or five minute trailers of beautiful landscapes that really have nothing to do with the book unless you've already read it. So those are some pitfalls I see often um, that authors and, and
1: video producers make as well. Great. So uh, how about some other common mistakes? Is it a mistake to put yourself on as the author on camera, or should you always hire a professional to do voiceover? what are are some some common production value problems?
2: Okay, there's a lot of do's and don'ts for for making trailers. The slideshow one is my biggest my biggest don't. Um, I like to add movement even if you're using still images, use pan across the image or zoom into the image, don't just have a static image on the screen ever. Um, fill up your whole screen, because often these are viewed on YouTube or, or on the computer and the screen is only a few inches wide, so fill up that whole screen, don't leave black on either side of, of your cover, in other words, or vertical pictures. Um, voiceover is definitely um, more and more, we're seeing that now, because people are realizing it's not so difficult to do voiceover as long as you have a, the proper equipment. Um, and I would not videotape. I, I actually have videotaped myself once to, in a trailer for my Rainbow Sheet book because it's a crafting book, and I was showing how to do the craft, but I wiped out the sound, and I did a voiceover. Um, that's important because most handheld home video cameras are don't have great microphones. Um, you also want to make sure you would put it on a tripod so there's no jerky shakiness unless you're going for that Blair Witch look, which I can't watch because Yeah, right. <laughs> but some people don't seem to mind that um i've seen author interviews used very effectively in in trailers, particularly for non fiction and memoirs. but they have to be done well done in a in a professional setting um, the The sound quality is my biggest limitation to that. You have to have a good sound quality to do a proper interview um, Some of the other pitfalls I see are people using music that that just doesn't suit the trailer they they like, you know, they, they pick something that they like rather than something that suits the story. And when I, I actually lecture often about making trailers to different writers groups, and one of the big things I tell authors is you have to take off your writer's hat and put on your video producer hat. It's a completely different way of looking at things. As writers, we want to tell the story with words. But when you're making a video, it's, it's, it's the images that are most important. And in fact, I would say the music is even more important than the words. So you have to try to tell the story with the images and use the words as backup. And that's something that um, I see a lot of authors falling, that, falling into that, um, that don't category, where they, they try to tell the whole story in the trailer with words, and it's too long. It's, it's too long to read. It drags. Whereas they could have really tightened it down. I always say, think in headlines when you're using on-screen text. And that's one of the ways that voiceovers can really make a big difference in a trailer is that the, you don't have all that reading for the viewer to do. And so that the trailer can be faster and, and more dramatic and more intense.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You can get so much across much more quickly with the spoken word than text sometimes. Let's talk about, okay, suppose fast-forward, pardon the expression, uh, and my video is done, what do I do with it other than upload it to YouTube?
2: So, well, that obviously is your first place you're going to upload it. And and I say put it everywhere you can think of. Put it on MySpace. Put it on your Amazon page. If you have an Amazon author page, you can put it up as a, as a review on Amazon. Make sure you check the guidelines for different sites. For instance, Amazon has very specific guidelines. You might have to make a second version of your trailer to put it up on Amazon. Any, there's so many places out there um, that can put, you can put video, put it everywhere you can think of. And there's actually some resources that will, you, you load it in once, and they will distribute it to a whole bunch of different places. Now that's going to get you out into the mass market. You get people you never thought of looking at your video. However, if you, someone was watching your trailer on YouTube, unless they really, really, really like your book. Chances are they're going to say, oh, you know, that's interesting, and then click to the next video. They may, if they are interested in it, click, try to find it on Amazon or try to find it on Barnes & Noble. But chances are they're not going to. So when you are doing direct marketing, for instance, you're on a chat, and uh, like an online chat, and you're talking about your books, or you have an, a, an email newsletter talking about your books, and you want to show them your video, make sure you send them to a place that doesn't, is not a dead-end link like YouTube. Make sure you, you send them to a place like your website or like Blazing Trailers, which is the reason why I made it in the first place, that has more information about your book, that allows them to click through immediately to your website, to your Amazon link. It allows them to have some information about your book. And I think that's really important. So there's really two sides to adver- to, to marketing with a trailer. One is getting it out everywhere you can. And the other is a more direct approach where you're targeting your audience and you are sort of pushing them to where you want them to go to watch your trailer. And then, of course, there's also, you know, there's different ways you can use it. uh, For instance, at book signings. Um, It's a great tool at book signings. We're going to have our trailers from, all the trailers from our children's publisher up at the Children's um, Illustrated Art Museum. Um, Some people put them on the little mini uh, recordable DVDs, the little mini ones that are about the size of a business card, and they give them out as business cards at conventions. So those, those are the sort of things. If you're thinking outside the box a little bit, you can try to think of, come up with other ways that you can use your, your trailer.
0: Those are some really good points. Uh, I just want to do a little bit of backtracking on something you had said, that the author has to take the author hat off and put on their video producer hat. But I want to add to that, and let's talk about it, they also have to put the marketing hat on. Because Producing a video is not just about producing a video, it's also about understanding marketing, understanding what people want to see in the video, understanding the hook, understanding when to hook. And so let's just talk a little bit about that and give us some of your pointers.
2: That's very good. Um, One of the things, the most important part of your video, and it's not going to be the most interesting part to the viewer, but it is the most important part, is what I call the marketing real estate. It's usually at the end of your trailer where you have your book cover, your website, maybe your publisher's website. This is where you can choose where the viewer is going to go buy your book. If you make more money selling your book through your publisher, send them to your publisher there. Otherwise, if you want them specifically to go to Amazon.com to buy the book, you send them there. And, And a lot of people gloss over this aspect of the trailer. They might just show their book cover. And sometimes it's very hard for the viewer to see the author's name on the book cover on that little tiny screen. And they don't put the name somewhere else. Usually what I I put the cover and the name together, I'll repeat it. Repeat it and repeat it, and that way people are going to remember it. I I do uh, book video reviews for um, a marketing website called First Turning Point. And I once saw, it was a beautiful trailer. They must have spent thousands of dollars. It was a full live video trailer with live actors. Not once was the cover of the book shown. And I thought to myself, they just spent all this money and it's a complete waste. So that's that's the first thing. Try to show the cover at least twice. Um, I don't we show it twice because sometimes it ruins the, effect, the dramatic effect of the trailer. If you're going for an intense dramatic effect, it, it kind of... Jars the viewer, but if you can, try to show it twice. Um, if you're, at least show it once, show it clearly, show the author's name clearly, and all the links that you need. That's, that's the first thing that, and it's just really important. You, you cannot be shy about this sort of thing. You want to tell them, buy, buy it now, here, buy it. Don't say, if you'd like to pick up the book, you can get it at such, you know, you have to be really clear at these sort of things. The second thing is, when you're talking about using, um, using putting on your video producer hat. Um, For instance, there was one trailer, it was a beautiful trailer about outer space, and there was image after image of these beautiful scenery of galaxies. And it was beautiful, but it really started to drag. And I had two issues with this trailer. One is that, as I mentioned, you had 20 seconds to hook your viewer, and every so often in the trailer, you need to sort of jar them and get their attention again. Because two minutes does not sound like a long time, but on YouTube, it's forever. So, I mean, it's terrible to say, but the average attention span of someone on YouTube is 20 seconds. And there's nothing stopping them from not finishing your video to get to the cover at the end. So you have to, and it doesn't have to be a shocking change. It could just be a change in the beat of the music. Or if you're using a particular template for your slides that have a, a, a background, change the background, something that just jars their attention a little bit. And I usually try to do that every 20 seconds or so during the trailer. Um, Another thing that is overlooked in trailers, um, it's not really a marketing thing, but it's more of a video producer thing, is music. I personally believe that music makes or breaks a trailer. I am not a musically inclined person, but I have learned to use the music, use the beat of the music to emphasize the photos. And um, as I mentioned before, you can use the photos as, to tell the story and use the words as just a background emphasis. But the music as well becomes an emphasis. And a lot of people just throw a track of music on and ignore it. But if you can tweak your, your images to flow with the beat of the music, it's sort of a subliminal thing that viewers are maybe not, not outright aware of, but it will affect their emotions more. And that might be something that will help them keep their attention. And the last thing that I would mention, and this is, again, going back to this trailer with beautiful galaxies. And there was an online that something about danger stalked her. And there were these pictures of these galaxies. Well, I had no idea what the danger was stalking her. And, and just changing that one image, instead of having this image of stars, to a woman being kidnapped or a plague or, you know, a uh, star a battle with spaceships. Something like that would have I would have known so much more about that book as it was. I finished the trailer and I really didn't know what the plot was. It was very vague. So I would say try to use those images. You don't need to be, have very specific text lines. Use the images to fill in the details. So those are the those are the things that I say when you become a video producer. It's not just about telling the story. You have to have you have to have, you have to be able to write a good script. But you have to have an eye to the dramatic and an ear for music as well. And, and, and you have to have some business sense, some marketing sense as well.
0: Oh, I so agree. I so agree with you. I, uh, as you were talking about the 20 seconds, that is so important because, as you had mentioned, the attention span is actually 20 seconds is really maximum. Mm. It's better to act, to make the changes at 15 seconds, someplace between 15 and 20, because you will lose that.
2: Yes. Customer, and people
0: think you know, that's,
2: that's cynical. It's not yeah. cynical. It's, it's oh, yeah. realistic.
0: It is. And that reminds me, when you're talking about music and images, one of the videos that I've seen that you have made, I mean, scared the daylight side of me because I'm watching and I'm intensely watching and all of a sudden you had a gunshot that came in and it was, hot, you know, louder than the rest of the music and it just, I mean, I jumped. That's another
2: thing that yeah. you didn't mention is, is sound effects. I try to use sound effects. Uh, not always. Again, it depends on the trailer, but uh, particularly for, for novels. Well-placed sound effects can do so much for a trailer. They can really draw the viewer in. And I find they're the, they're the, they're the underdog in making trailers. People completely ignore sound effects, whereas transitions and special visual effects are overused. Yeah. I find people, because they get playing with all the gadgets on, so much fun, I got my new movie program and I want to make every transition different and, and to me that just ends up looking very amateurish. So those I find end up being overdone and sound effects are completely ignored. In fact, most people that I talk to don't realize that you can go out and get a whole slew of free sound effects online.
0: So let's talk about that. Let's just transition right in. Where do you get these sound effects? Where do you get the music? Where do you get the uh, images? Well, let's, t- before, let's talk a minute about royalty-free because
2: I think it's really important. Yes, a lot free. of people don't realize that free images are not royalty-free. Royalty-free means that you have the right to use the, uh, the artist's music, sound effect, or illustration, or for, the photo. You pay them a fee, a one-time fee, and you don't have to pay them royalties after that. That's what royalty-free means. It does not mean that you can use that image indefinitely for anything you want. Generally, there are conditions put on this, and the conditions might be something like you can't alter the image or the music, or you can only use it for one project. So if you you can't take that picture and then use it in another trailer. And it's very important that you are aware of the conditions that are on. And every every royalty free site, every artist you can have different conditions. And a lot of people who are making trailers um, will go, and even professional video people will go to sites like Photobucket and Flickr and pull free, free, and I put that in quotation marks, images from there. But what they don't realize is they are not really free. They might be free for editorial use, which means for newspapers. They might be free for personal use, like on a personal website, but not for commercial use. And a trailer is definitely commercial use. So you have to be really careful about that. Um, I have had some run-ins in the past. I actually had my MySpace privileges revoked because They had a dispute about some royalty-free music that I used, even though I had permission to use it. They wouldn't listen. There was nothing I could do. They revoked my privileges. So I just don't do it anymore. It's just not worth it to me. I make sure I pay for all my music. I pay for all my my pictures. Um, If you're going to use the, the free stuff that's out there, you have to make sure you attribute it properly at the end of your trailer. That's a must. It has to be attributed in your YouTube um, description as well, that's a must. Because otherwise you can you can run into trouble. And, and these big sites like YouTube, my series, they don't care. They're not, they don't care if you have a little piece of paper that says that you can use this. It's just, you know, too bad for you. Move on to the next person who wants to load something. So I, I always tell people you have to be very careful with that. Where you can find them, though, you, you just search. I mean, if you're looking for a gunshot, put in royalty-free gunshot sound and you will get, there are, there are many, many sites out there. I, I, after many years of doing this, I have certain sites that I use that I depend on because I know, I know their rules. I know their sound quality and their picture quality. And so I'm, you know, it's worth it to me to stick with them and not have to wade through attribution rights every time. But um, if you and often I cannot attribute either and that's another thing you have to look at some of the royalty free um, rules that if you can't attribute if you can't put credit for the, their work then there's different rules so it, it's really it can be quite mind-boggling when you start getting into it and this is one of the reasons why some people would rather hire a professional to do it so they don't have to worry about all that rather than doing it themselves
1: yeah absolutely and uh, this uh... Brings to mind, I always have an author or two that wants to put song lyrics into their book, and it just drives me nuts because the process of getting permissions for a song, you've got to go to the composer, to the artist who recorded it, to the record label. There's really uh, all different dimensions to it. Even if you're hiring a professional to sing a song, you've got to figure out, find out who wrote the thing.
2: <laughs> and, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they might want Mozart's, whatever symphony but and even though that is in the public domain the orchestra producing it is not and they own the copyright to that um, other, ty- other things that people do and they don't realize is they, they want to use their own photos and they don't realize that if they don't have permission from the person in the photo they can't use it even buildings you cannot take a photo of a building unless you have a release and, and people just don't realize things like that
0: oh.
2: that's why using the the royalty-free sites, you know they have model releases and you don't have to... And I'm talking about sites like Photos, probably the most popular one. Um, I use a couple other ones. There's Big Stock Photo and Dreams Time, those sort of places.
0: While we're talking about photos, Kim, I just want to interject here. Let's talk about children's fo- photos and the importance of being really clear on when and when, you know, what photos can be used of children.
2: It it applies to children and adults, really. But children, um, definitely you have to be more vigilant of. And I've run into that problem in trailers. Um, I'm photographing uh, my new picture book, and it's not just in trailers, in books, too. I'm photographing a new picture book, and I have to have model releases for all the kids in the book. Um, And you want to hang on to those things indefinitely. And it's the same thing but for people. But as I said, even for, for buildings, and, even, and people don't realize that, you can't go take a picture of a building and use it. That, that's, the architect has creative rights on that. And even things like boats and cars, if you can see the license plate on you can't use that. So I, I've even, because I have um, an iStock photo, I'm actually a photographer for iStock photo as well. I have a small portfolio on there, and I've actually had, they're very, very strict about what they allow on there. And I've even had a picture of a dog Refused because you could see his dog tag. So these are the sort of things that you have to really be aware of. When you take a picture of your neighbor's house with their car in front and use that in your in your trailer, you could get in trouble.
1: Yeah, I'll just not to harp on this too much, but the, the most bizarre thing I've run into lately was uh, we needed some pictures of people uh, doing therapy on a, a site for therapists. Uh, Well, when we got through the, I think it was the iStock photo disclaimer, we had to put on there that these people were not actually undergoing therapy. (laughs) You know, you can't portray them as doing something that they're not, so to speak. Right. Anyways, um, but I digress. Uh, What I really wanted to ask you about was uh, special offers. Does it make sense, you know, in a nonfiction book, maybe you're selling your consulting services or whatever to put a, a special offer at the end? Of the video to entice people to just do something when they get to the end?
2: Are you talking about something that has a, a time limit
1: on it? Well, I hadn't thought about that, but maybe a special URL that isn't, you know, anywhere else. You have to go to this URL to get this discount or something.
2: Um, sure, as long as it's something that you're going to continue indefinitely. The reason I asked about the timestamp is you see people put, um, you know, my book coming in... July 2010. The problem with that, and and if you had a special as well, it would be the same thing. If you're saying for a limited time only, that trailer is going to be out there and people are going to link to it. People you don't even know might link to it. It happens to me all the time. It gets picked up by um, sites like my own, Blazing Trailers. I mean, we don't do that. We actually, we only list trailers that are submitted by the author, but there are other sites that troll and they'll pick them up, which is really actually a good thing for the author because they get more exposure. But somebody might, Link to it on a blog or whatever, and if you put a limited time, if you put a timestamp on on your trailer, what happens when it's out of date? Well, you you're going to want to make a new trailer. What do you do with the old one? If you delete it, all those links that people mm-hmm. have made are no good. So I strongly advise against putting any kind of time-sensitive material in your trailer, um, unless you think it's not a big deal that these people their links are going to be broken then that's okay. Or or if you're going to do that, make sure it's very clear in the trailer what time period it's from. And if you redo your trailer, don't delete the old one. Just leave it in case somebody has linked to it. And you might want to put, go back and in, in the YouTube description, you might want to put a link to the new one. Actually, you can do that on YouTube. You can link from one trailer to another, from one video to another. So you might want to do that. But I would, I'm just very hesitant about anything that has a time limit on it in a a video.
1: Yeah, that's great. And here I was, you know, obsessing about whether it would be thought of as an infomercial, but those are really good points you made. Let's, uh, before we get too far, let's back up a little bit and talk about the typical workflow that you go through with your clients. I imagine each video producer has a different way of collaborating You know, some of them may just have an idea, or some of them may have a whole script. How do you work with people starting from what they have?
2: Well, I have a very detailed um, questionnaire that they have to fill out. I do not read the whole book. There's no way I could read every book, um, even if I wanted to. (laughs) But the the questionnaire is very detailed, and, and a lot of authors might be Hesitant to fill out a very detailed questionnaire, thinking, you know, they do not put the spoilers in. I am an author. I understand. I've been making these trailers for a long time. I understand how to hook the reader without putting in a spoiler. So it's very important for me that I get a very complete questionnaire to start with. At that point, I will um, look over all the information I have, and I will write a script. And some people use storyboards. I don't use storyboards, mostly because I can't draw. My life depended on it, and it probably confused me more than anything. To have all these little stick figures, but storyboarding, particularly in a longer project, can be a very um, beneficial part of the procedure. But at, from my script, I will go and look for the media. That means videos and, and images. And I actually have an assistant now who who will do that part for me. So um, that will take a few days. At that point, I'll also, if there's a voiceover going to be done, I'll I'll have the voiceover done. When I have all the media I'm waiting for then I will start to put it together. And usually when I've written the script, I have a really good idea about what the concept I want behind the video is going to be. So um, and when I'm talking about a concept, this is something that a lot of first-time video makers don't even think about. They just sort of regurgitate the blurb on the back of the book, and that's it. And I feel really strongly that that's not a good idea because what's the point of watching the trailer? They can just read the blurb on the back of the book. And I really like to give the viewer another side that they're not going to see just in the written word. We really want to make the book come to life. So I will think of a concept that goes behind the trailer. And this might be um, something as simple as the background. For instance, I did um, I did a trailer on uh, a non book about um, Henry Thoreau. And we used his sort of nature theme behind the book, behind the images. Um, For my own, my recent picture book for um, uh, Talent for Quiet, which is a book about photography, we use the idea of photography as the frame for the trailer. Um, So there's images of negatives scrolling across the screen. And and these are sort of themes of the book that you use to bring the book alive. And that's what I'm talking about when, when I say developing a concept. And that I usually do at the time of the script. Uh, when I'm writing the script, I will kind of develop the concept of the trailer at the same time so that when I get all the media back, it's really a matter of selecting the proper images and, uh, which I'm really lucky to have a system for now because looking for, when you're doing a lot of trailers, looking for the images is the most grueling part of it. I was actually some nights going to bed and my head would be spinning from looking at thumbnails all day long. So, um, that's something when you start making a lot of them, you have to kind of factor in. It takes a long time to find, to search those sites and, and find the images. And then putting it together is the is the best part. That's that's the most fun. You start seeing it come together. It's like a painting that's kind of goes bit by bit, a little puzzle. You add your music and you tweak it and add your, usually sound effects are the last thing I add. And it's, it's really fun. It's like a it's multimedia. It's hard to describe until you, you see it coming alive. It's like watching a painting that you make that walks and talks. So it's, that's my, my favorite part.
0: Valkyrie I've certainly seen a lot of your videos. And they are high quality, very well put together. And we can tell that your passion's in it. I have a couple mm-hmm. more questions. And um, then we're going to have to uh, close this. Length, we really never talked about length. What would be an appropriate length for a video? And why not any longer than what you suggest? Well, you know, when when trailers first
2: came onto the scene, three four years ago, is when they start, first started getting really popular. They were longer than they are now because people were just didn't really know what to do with them. Um, and I still see some that are four or five minutes long, and that's just way too long. This is we're not making a movie of the book. It's a commercial. And when you think about it in that respect, even a two-minute trailer is really long. Have you ever seen a two-minute commercial on TV? Uh-huh. The thing is, on, on the Internet, you do have the person's undivided attention. You know, when you're watching TV, people tend to get up and go to the bathroom, get something to eat, you know, talk during the commercials. So short and punchy, you know, those commercials are always way louder than, than the show. But on the Internet, they're searching, they're, they're looking for something. So you do have their undivided attention. As long as you can keep that attention, as long as you give them a reason to keep watching, a two-minute trailer is fine. And and sometimes it's really hard to get the whole message across in anything less than two minutes. I never make a trailer over two minutes now. I really prefer a trailer around a minute, um, but often authors really think that they're not getting their money's worth unless they have something a minute and a half to two minutes. So that would be probably the range that I do most of them now. But really, if it's over two minutes, I will trim and trim and trim until it's under two minutes and i used to see i used to see trailers like i said 5 minutes particularly you know historical romances and stuff you would see these you know beautiful landscape of the scottish highlands and oh you know and it would just get to the point where this is you feel like you're looking at somebody's vacation pictures and it just it's not a marketing tool that is not a marketing tool that is a slideshow of landscape photos and it's just not working as a marketing tool at that point
0: you know, that's such a such a good point. The other thing I want to talk about is voiceovers. We just sort of um, quickly went over voiceovers. And I would like you to, what equipment, if somebody wants to go ahead and do their own voiceover and create a, their own video, is there specific equipment that they need to have? How do you get good recording quality? And, you know, all about that, because some it's, it's not easy to do a voiceover.
2: No, first of all, you have to have a good voice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't do voiceovers myself because I don't think I have a good voice for it. My daughter does very good voiceovers. Um, We record them in our basement. Uh I have a laptop and I have an inexpensive, I think my microphone was $30. It is important to get a USB microphone. Do not use the microphones that are included in your laptop or your computer. They're just not powerful enough. and well, I, I use Mac, so I use GarageBand. I don't really know, honestly, that much about Windows programs, so I can't help there. But um, basically, you want a program that allows you to adjust the sensitivity of the mic, so that you can you can cut out um, background noise. And, the reason you want this is that if your microphone is too sensitive, it'll pick up everything. And even so, I when I re-record in our basement, I turn off the furnace, I turn off fluorescent lights, I make sure the cat's outside and the guinea pig's not chewing their hay. And, you know, you want a quiet room. And a, a lot of times, uh, PCs, like desktop computers, the fan in the computer itself will be a problem. It will make a hissing background noise, and people will muffle them with pillows. Laptops seem to be a little bit easier to work with in that respect because they don't have that. But, um, but that's what you have to do and you have to then listen to your recording and you want to make sure that you're not popping your consonants. A lot of time people, when they say S's and T's and P's, they're, they're popping them. They don't realize. You can hear it even probably now. You have to learn to, and this is something that my daughter, who's only 10, has learned to do. You have to modulate your voice so that you can have the emotion but not have the popping consonants. And that's um, probably one of the most difficult things about doing voiceovers. But other than that, it's not does not require, I'm trying to think there's a, there's a program that's both for Mac and Windows. I have it, and I can't think of the name of it
0: right now. Audiosity, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: That one's a good one. Or something use. like that. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. And it's both for Mac and Windows. And I use that as well as GarageBand, because it has some features that GarageBand doesn't have. But that's really all it takes. I mean, you can do this in Windows Media, I believe. That's what uh, some people I know do it. But if you have any kind of background or hissing noise, you won't be able to clean it up, and that you would need need a software that will allow you to do that.
0: Wow. Well, certainly, Kim, you've given us a lot of uh, information, and, you know, I'm just, like, going into overwhelm and thinking, for me, it would be so much easier to hire somebody to do this because... This would take hours and hours and hours of me struggling with it. So, fortunately, there are people like you at BlazingTrailers.com that will do this. And with your experience, you can do it quickly, effectively, and inexpensively, really. Well, that's why when I lecture on how
2: to make trailers, people say to me, but you make trailers, why would you teach other people to make trailers? Well, because... I want trailers to be raised up to the level that I think they, they should be. I want people to make better trailers, first of all. And second of all, a lot of people are going to realize they have don't have the inclination to make them. They don't want to learn the softwares to make them. They don't have the eye for photography and the ear for music, even if they're a writer. And, you know, I can clean my house as well, but sometimes I want to hire a cleaning lady. And it's the same it's the same principle. You can make a trailer, whether you're going to be good at it and have the time to do it is another matter so that's when you have to start thinking seriously about about hiring a professional
0: oh I like your analogy about housework <laughs> carrying it to that now that's my kind of gal <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you so much Kim gosh you've just been a world of information and I know that our listening audience are going to have to listen to this and re-listen because you've given us so many great pointers and Again, audience, Kim's um, website is blazingtrailers.com. Go ahead and visit her. She's got all kinds of information there. I believe you said over a 1,000 uh, videos, yes, not did. only hers but others. Mm-hmm. And, but not only are the videos there, the information about the book is there too. And so this is a great place to have her upload your video too if you do have one. So thanks again, Kim. You're
1: welcome. It's a lot of fun. Okay, you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Next time, we'll have James and Linda O'Connor, who will be talking about developing a comprehensive campaign to sell your books. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show, Please send us your questions and comments to info at AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press.
0: And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson saying good night.
1: For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.